Good morning, everyone. Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Dr. Brandon Breening is here from Breening Total Wellness Center. Brandon Breening, how long have you and I been meeting on a monthly basis like this? It's been a couple of years. It's been, gosh, I think we started before Diana passed away, so it's been five years. It has been five years that you've been coming in every month. We've appreciated that. I've learned a lot, and uh, I think we've also learned that and we're all continuing to learn that everything about our health is like a three-legged stool. We've got the physical, the social, emotional, and the spiritual aspect of health. And you really can't have great health if any one of those legs of the stool is short or tipping. Exactly. So, But you deal mostly with physical health, but you often find people that come in with social-emotional issues that can lead to health problems. And one of the things that your aunt, Dr. Diana Franklin, and your grandmother, Dr. Sheila Laws, were found of, fond of saying, I remember, was grief is held in the lungs. And so oftentimes, if there's been a horrible incident, it can manifest itself by an outbreak of a lung, like a lung disease, like you'll, you'll get a You'll just get bronchitis or you'll get a cold or something. Now, obviously, those things are caused by germs, but, or bacteria, whatever. I'm not that up on what causes all that stuff. And it's around us all the time. But when you're susceptible to it is when you're grief stricken, that immuno, you get out of immunobalance. Exactly. You know, in times of stress, we we don't fight things off nearly as well uh, once we come down from that stress, right? So uh, actually, I just had that happen with a patient where they uh, lost a very, very dear friend to them that passed away. And within a week of them passing, they got through the funeral, they got through all of that. And they got a bronchial infection. Uh, and it's just like, well, I hear grandma in my my head again. Uh, there it is. That grief has set into there. Um, and sometimes even knowing that, even knowing it, it's hard to stop it sometimes. Right. right. I mean, you can have so. all the... You can have all the education in the world, but grief is going to come upon you, and it's going to be very sudden. Right. So the most important thing is to realize, allow yourself to grieve. You can't artificially stop it. Allow yourself to have that grief, because if you hold it in, especially, I think that's when the stress and the tension really starts to mount inside Absolutely. Absolutely. What are some other things? I mean, I remember grief hits the lungs. What hits yeah. your gut and something else hits your throat? Uh, well, if there are things that you want to say but can't say them, those will hit your throat. Something that's hard to swallow, like my mother-in-law moved in with me or something. Yes, yes. You can get a throat disease, a yes. sore throat, yes. a throat complex. Right. And yes. it's so interesting. All these little, um, what's the word I'm looking for, these little phrases that we all say, that's hard to swallow, you rub me the wrong way, that's a punch in the gut, Yeah. That that gives me butterflies in my stomach. These things that we all say have a physical component to them based on medical facts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. You know, and like uh, I've seen a couple of times recently too, uh, where there's low back pain and there's no, the structure gets fixed, but the low back pain persists. And uh, then we start asking the patient, what's going on in your life that you have to move forward with, but you don't want to, uh, because your body will sometimes mess with that low back If you don't, because I can't move forward if I can't walk, 
right? Um, so that one's always fun. And then uh, the other one that I always like is uh, when somebody's shoulder hurts because they wanted to punch somebody but couldn't. So. Wow, my right shoulder really hurts. All the time. It may be from sitting in front of my computer terminal too long. Tomorrow. Yesterday, I didn't really sit in front of a computer terminal all day. I read all day, but I was at a desk. I wasn't like sitting on the couch or really very comfortable. No. And I had a lot of reading to do, and I got it all done. But I read pretty much with just minimal breaks for six hours straight yesterday. And my right shoulder is kind of a wackadoodle. Before you leave, yeah, I'm sure you wouldn't mind giving me a free chiropractic adjustment. We'll take a look at it. Okay, yeah. yeah. But, and, okay. you know, Mary, all of these things are multifactorial, right? We right. can't just say that it's just the emotions that do yeah. this, right? Uh, something does usually physically happen as well. Uh, but you've got to look at all of it in order. If, if things aren't, if you're fixing things and they're not getting fixed, then there's something else deeper in there. Okay. So. Well, you know, that is nice to know, and it's also something to really think about and recognize as you're trying to build relationships with your children, with your spouse, with your coworkers. Dr. Brandon Breening from Breening Total Wellness Center on North 25th Street. You always bring some great articles in from all the uh, medical and chiropractic journals and scientific journals. So what are you going to uh, awaken our interest in today, please? Uh, there is a new uh, survey type thing, new assessment tool uh, that is uh, being tested in over 30 countries now called the BAT, the Burnout Assessment Tool. Uh, and uh, Are you bat crazy? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, they did a study in Norway and about 13% of Norwegian workers are identified as at high risk for burnout. Um, I thought Norway was like the garden spot of the I, world. I, if 13% there, how many in America, right? Uh, but uh, you can, uh, if, if you want, you can search the burnout assessment tool uh, online and just look. For, make sure you don't just grab a random one. There is one that says blah, blah, studies, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there is a simple version, which uh, it runs at 22 pages. <laughs> or Well, I mean, if you're serious about truly finding out if right. this is what's wrong with you, then you're going to have to put some effort into it. Right. This is not like a, a Cosmo magazine or Women's World magazine. Right. Five should steps I, to, should I marry this yeah, man? Five right? steps to identify burnout. Yeah. yeah. This is so, this is something a little bit more I mean, if, scientific. If if you want easy, right, what they looked at there were uh, risk by measuring exhaustion, mental distancing, cognitive and emotional impairment. Um, now I have a question about this. Okay, back in the olden days, you know, when we were walking across the plains to settle our 40 acres with our mule, I'm sure there were days when they had extreme burnout and, uh, you know, they were frustrated and all this other stuff, but they had to keep walking or they would starve to death. How much of our modern day problems like burnout are because we have all this time to think and we get exhausted because we're bored, whereas if you're constantly waiting for a panther to pounce on you or an Indian to come over the hill and, and shoot a fiery arrow into your covered wagon, you don't tend to sit and concentrate on the burnout factor. Well, that, that's absolutely true. And, you know, too, there is definitely a place for physical activity in, in helping to deal with this, right? Um, we didn't have this before because we didn't spend 14 hours a day staring at a computer, 
right? We spent time moving and doing things. And and mostly can, because we had to. Yeah. You know, now it's funny. We go to the gym and run on a treadmill. Well, you know, nobody in 1880s Nebraska had to have a workout plan. You know, all you had to do was go out and hitch up the mule and, you know, plow the acres and then weed the crops and then harvest the crop and then pickle the crop and preserve the crop. And you were plenty exercised. Correct. That's, you want to hit me why, your shoulder's uh, hurting. No. Yeah, oh, maybe. Okay. That's the wrong shoulder. It'd be my right shoulder. What does your Uh, left shoulder mean? uh, I'm annoying you? uh, (laughs) I don't know. But, I mean, you know, it's interesting because in Norway, now, granted, um, these Scandinavian countries, people think they have a really high uh, lifestyle. And they do, but they pay like half of their money in taxes. So it's a very um, socialist kind of society. So, I mean, I can't, I I guess I'm struggling with why 13% of Norwegians would be burned out. They get more vacation, more free time, less stress, you would think, than the average person. But, of course, they also don't have any control. Like, working harder doesn't really get them anywhere because they're in a socialist country. True, you know, and and, uh, maybe they're burnt out because they they don't, maybe they just don't know what to do, right? Maybe they hate cod. Uh, that maybe that's a problem. Right, right, right. <laughs> maybe maybe the winters get to them, you know? Uh, okay. Uh, I, I don't know. There's There could be other correlated studies uh, down the road that, that look at why Norwegian, why those 13% of those 500 people that they surveyed are at risk of burnout. Okay, um, but if you want to take the burnout risk assessment, it's burnout, it's burnout assessment test. Yeah, that's okay. the the bat, the burnout assessment test. And so everybody should be trying to reduce their stress. Now, that's so easy to say and sometimes hard to do, but one of the things you can do is just eliminate negative and stressful people in your life. I mean, you can choose not to be around them. Yes, yes, degree. yes. You you can choose not to be around them. When you said eliminate, I was worried. Uh, the police chief coming on after yeah, this? Yeah, he is. We okay, want we want to make sure that... We want to be careful this is recorded. <laughs> I don't want somebody tomorrow to say, I think Griffith did him in because she wanted to eliminate, <laughs> eliminate. them. We've got to be very careful no. with our words. Yes. But so much of what we stress about, we could control a little bit more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and strategies on how to deal with these things when you have to deal with them. Uh, you know, those kind of things make a big difference. Stress B. I used to take Stress, stress B. B. That was from, a brand from name. From Vita Herbs, who's been defunct for over 10 years now. <laughs> they went, they they went burned belly out. up. They didn't have enough Stress B. <laughs> they gave so many people vitamins that everybody got healthy and they didn't need them anymore. But I do remember, uh, you know, with the holistic approach, I've always tried to take a little bit of a holistic approach, mostly because it was preached to me from the time I was born, is that, for example, B vitamins, which are water-soluble vitamins, you can't really store them in your body, right? Correct. So you have to have adequate levels of B vitamins every single day, or or that's how you do help handle some of the stress. Now, granted, you're not going to be in a car accident and have your entire car demolished and your both legs broken and say, does anybody have a B vitamin pill? Because that would take away all my stress. Just take care of everything. But it depletes your B vitamins because you're you're using all your Bs to try to deal with that stress. Yeah. Your adrenal glands really love B6, right? Um, And B9 and B12 are absolutely important for stress as well. Um, B5 too. And B1 and B3. You know, all the Bs. Uh, are you ranking the bees? Uh, well, I, are they not ranked in order already? B one is not better than B nine. Uh, no. Well, no. B nine B nine is the most peaceful of the B vitamins. 
Really? No, it's B9. not. It's B9. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Dr. Breen, wow. How many years have you thought of that and waited for somebody uh, to say that so you could put that line out? Yeah. That is a dad yeah. joke if there ever was one. So, again, all these things that can be happening to us, if they really dug deep on these people, these 13% of Norwegians that were overly stressed, they may find some component in their diet. Absolutely. Or some, or their their spinal column is out of whack. And they're not getting the full nerve infiltration all the way down to wherever it is. And it's just, it's it's diminishing their enjoyment of life. It's not yeah. going to kill you. It's going to diminish. Absolutely. Okay. What else have you got? Uh, there is a the study that showed that smoking not only affects immune response in the short term, uh, which we've known, but it also can affect immunity for 10 to 15 years after you stop smoking. Uh, So smokers are more susceptible to infections because smoking does dampen the immune system. Um, And uh, it was interesting because one of the things that they they saw on this was, uh, where is it? The major factors uh, affecting the immune system, uh, the study showed was smoking Latent cytomegaly virus infection and body mass index. So fat, smoke, and what is cytom? What is that other thing? I'm cytomegaly virus is a virus that is present, uh, depending on age, in upwards to eighty percent of the population. The older you get, the more likely you are to have cytomegaly virus. In a normal person, cytomegaly virus will. Uh, cause maybe a sore throat uh, if it's bad, uh, but for the most part, it just kind of hangs out um, in in us uh, until and, you turn and, 64, and then it attacks you. And I uh, usually I'm die usually the in, 80s, am I going to die imminently? Uh, is is when when more people have it. Um, so as we age, unless we do something to try to turn back that clock, as we naturally age. And some of us unnaturally age because we're overweight, we smoke, yeah. these viruses that are everywhere, and we really can't control that. They just attack us a little bit more because we've already weakened. We've already done something to weaken this. Right. And what happens to a smoking is, in, in that is that they, and, and this, this virus in particular, is they actually go in and alter our immune system's DNA uh, so that we're less likely to... Uh, defend ourselves against things. So, I'm I'm very concerned, and you're a father of four. Um, I'm very concerned about um, smoking among teenagers. Um, it, it. My mother started smoking because it was cool. Yeah, you know, when she was 15. Um. She died of lung cancer. She figured out it wasn't so cool. She finally quit, but it killed her anyway. I mean, yeah. she quit long before she was diagnosed, but by then the seed right. was already in. And because I grew up in a house of two-pack-a-day secondhand smoke, I often think some of my lung function is a little bit compromised just from growing up in that environment, even though I didn't regularly smoke, although I did experiment with smoking cigarettes. I think most teenagers do. Yeah. But now... Talk to people out there about, I mean, I don't know what you do to get teenagers not to do this, because teenagers are teenagers, and if you tell them not to do it, that really 
inspired. Sure way to get them to to do it, it, right? But what advice would you give to parents and grandparents out there, especially not just cigarette smoking, but this vaping now? Talk to us as a health professional. This is, I've heard that vaping is so much worse than smoking a cigarette that it's like, you know, instead of having two cigarettes a day or three cigarettes a day, it's like having a pack of cigarettes a day. Yeah, um, you know, the studies are out there either way with with vaping. Uh, You know, I'm sure that the pro-vaping people have great studies that say that it's not so bad, and the anti-vaping have great studies that say that it's the worst thing ever. Uh, And the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Um, Well, the, the truth is that we do know is that we don't know. Right. It's only been happening for 10 years, 15 years, maybe 20 years. Not very long. But we don't have long term studies on the effects of this. Um, We know that smoking is bad for you. Smoking is bad for us. And so why would why would anybody think that vaping would not have the equivalent ill effect? Well, because I'm just putting water into my my body right um and two i think where where we get more in trouble with vaping is uh and and this also kind of happened with smoking too is more and more chemicals got mixed into the thing right uh and it becomes easier and easier to do uh we didn't have as much trouble with smoking when people had to roll their own cigarettes um be, or or had to load up their pipe and it went out because it took work to smoke. Uh, when you can smoke three packs a day with very little effort, your chances of, of having something bad happen are increased. And that's what vaping is. It's such an easy delivery system yeah. that the kids are smoking. They Well, they tell their parents. In fact, there are some parents who don't think that vape, well, right. you know, parents parents can fall victim to their children's lies. Yes. There are people that think that they're just inhaling a strawberry scent. Yeah. Yeah. So don't fall for that, grandma and grandpa and mom and dad. That's not what they're doing. That is the same as a cigarette, only it looks pretty. Yeah. So be careful. I had a friend's parent who uh, hated Dungeons and Dragons. So they told him that they weren't going to play Dungeons and Dragons. They were going to play a different game called RuneQuest. And it was Dungeons and Dragons. But the dad was like, oh, RuneQuest? This is great. He wanted his own character and everything. So, like, no Dungeons and Dragons in my house. This, this Mom is Mom and fine. Dad, that's oregano in that plastic bag in my, uh, in my uh, underwear drawer. Right. I love Italian seasoning. <laughs> and I'm always afraid I'm never going to get enough. Yes. Thank you for coming in and educating us. Take your bat test to see if you're burned out. And folks, not. get enough vitamin uh, B complex to make yourself a healthy camper. We head up to the Ursa Farmers Cooperative. Rex Battery brings us this report at 937. We're back, Tuck Radio 930 WTAD. One of my favorite moments every month on the Mary Griffith Show is when uh, Police Chief Adam Yates comes by to say hello and to tell us what's going on in the city of Quincy. And boy, have things changed. Twelve months ago, we were understaffed, undermanned, you know, all kinds of problems and, uh, you know, lawsuits maybe pending and all this other (laughs) stuff. And now uh, we're on a pretty even keel. But let's start with the best news of all. The uh, officer that was injured 
is back on duty. Tell us about that and yeah. how that all has come about. So, yeah, Matt Hermsmeyer came back to work, gosh, it would have been, I think, two weekends ago at least now. Um, came back on Friday uh, to his normal work shift, and uh, so it was good to have him back. You know, he, he was off for uh, roughly a month. Um, Which you is know, a very short time. Very short time for something like, you know, a, a gunshot wound. So, you know, we're, we're very blessed uh, that he was not injured more than he was. Um, you know, obviously they took great care of him over at Blessing Hospital. And so, you know, we're very thankful for that. A um, little bit of, you know, stretching things out and range of motion stuff, and he was ready to rock. And, and I, you know, I had to laugh because Matt is a... He's a worker. He, he works hard on the shift. He also works a lot of overtime for us, a lot of special traffic enforcement program details. And uh, so he was back rocking and rolling. After his weekend, he had to work. He was back Monday out writing speeding tickets for us again. And, and it's, uh, you know, we laughed, and, and he said he had some time to make up that he hadn't, hadn't made any overtime. So uh, so that was funny. But it, it's, just, it's just great to have him back. And, you know, the community support for everything that's gone on with that has just been tremendous. And, you know, we're just very thankful. Now, that court case is obviously still pending, right? How is that? How is that coming down, or is that the person who shot – Officer Hermsmeyer was killed, right? Am I correct in that? Am I wrong in that? I... The, the, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 initial suspect that shot Officer Hermsmeyer was was uh, shot and killed by another officer that was on scene. So that particular investigation, the Illinois State Police are handling that. Uh, it's still pending. It's still ongoing. Um, you know, I know there's. Is there's that a... officer then still on administrative leave? He is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He he won't come back to work until the you know the criminal investigation portion is done. There's been some internal. Uh, administrative reviews that we've done up to this point, and and his, he's been cleared in those, you know, in terms of things that we're looking at, but we need to make sure that the state's attorney's office has a good opportunity to take a look at the case and make sure there isn't anything concerning from their end, and once they get that, you know, all taken care of, then we'll reassess everything and get him back to work as soon as we can. Okay. Well, it certainly um, is shocking, and, and not only that happened in Quincy, but then a, a chase that started in Quincy and ended in Clarence, Missouri, with a trooper over there getting, again, a fairly minor wound. Uh, however, I don't want to be shot by a gun any way, shape, or form. You know, so, I mean, I, if somebody says that's a minor wound, I'm like, well, then you you go do that and right. see what you think about that. Yeah. So, again, very dangerous people out there, and you guys come into contact with them. All the time. The street crimes unit, um, you're trying to kind of get it going again. It mm -hmm. takes a while to ramp things up. Uh, where are we on that? And, you know, how much safer should the people of Quincy feel than they were maybe a month ago or whatever? Well, uh, so right now we're in the process of doing interviews to select our sergeant or the supervisor of the, what we're referring to as a special investigations unit. Um, there's really... Uh, you know, there, there, we did several interviews on Friday. We've got another one. Matter of fact, as soon as I get back to the office, we're going to do another one today, and then we'll make the decision, and then that sergeant will help us choose the three officers that will then work with that sergeant on that particular unit. Will they always work together as a 40-person team then, or how is that? How they, is will. That? Yeah, they will. Yeah, it, it, it'll be a four-person unit. Obviously, at times, someone will be on vacation or a sick day or maybe away at training. But, yeah, they're designed to work as a, a four-person unit, with a supervisor and three officers specifically assigned generally to work the same shift hours. You know, back in the 
we'll call it the late 1990s and the early 2000s, that's how our street crimes unit operated. We had uh, one canine officer, four street crimes unit officers. One of those was the supervisor directly in charge of what the, the street crimes unit was doing. And I felt it was important to get back to that model so that we had a supervisor that was directly overseeing the work that they were doing. Okay. So this is going to come into effect, and will they every once in a while work at nighttime or work on weekends, or is this simply a day shift kind of job? No, it's it would be a what I refer to as a varying schedule, probably more uh, evening shift schedule at mm-hmm. least starting off, and then if there's something going on that they need to work later into the night or early into the morning, they can shift their schedule. If there's something that they need to work on and they need to be there during the day for, for several days, they have the flexibility to do that. That's the beauty of a unit like that is it's not dependent on shift manpower. And so they can adjust their schedule and they, they may even have two of them that might come in and work from, you know, say, say nine to six and then a couple more come in and work from six to, you know, it really depends on what the need is at the particular time. It will not take away from the other policing efforts. Those will be standard and those shifts will be covered. This will be something above and beyond that. Yeah. That is a little bit not autonomous because they'll still be under a sergeant and they'll still be under you. They're not just this rogue force going mm-hmm. out there. But if they are hot onto something and it takes them five days of intensive, then they'll be able to step down and take off or something without it affecting the regular street manpower of the Quincy Police Department. Yeah, that's the whole point of the unit is to not they're they're in, in, independent from calls for service is the best way to describe it. Not that they won't re- respond to calls for service, but they are not basically beholden to the radio you know, like a patrol officer might be. You know, they may have a lot of follow up they have to do, but then they have to go deal with the disturbance in their their beat or their district. You know, that's just something that has to get taken care of. So, you know, these officers will be, you know, basically like investigators. They'll be free to look into and and do proactive police work without being, you know, called away constantly to handle radio calls. So it really is a a, a proactive unit that's going to be out there doing what needs to be done to combat some of this gun crime and vehicle burglaries, stolen vehicles, some of the specific things that we're dealing with that really need attention paid to them that sometimes our patrol officers aren't able to do. And we have talked so much that we think about murder and rape and armed robbery and all these crimes that are very, very serious. But some of the most peril that Quincyans in or people visiting our town are in are just really stupid traffic things. And in this last month since I've talked to you, I've had two stupid things happen to me. I've probably done a few stupid things I'm not aware of. But to me, and both of them were I can kind of get it. I was going really slow in the school zone by the early childhood because mm-hmm. you have to go 20 miles an hour. And then probably when the school zone was over, I didn't pep it up quite as much as the guy behind me did. He passed me on the right. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. Um, the other day, I'm getting old, and I was driving along. And I mean, I was going 32 miles an hour, but I was on North 18th Street. And apparently that wasn't good enough for the guy behind me. He passed me on the right. Now, there's never a police officer around unless I'm doing not. anything wrong. Right. But when, if, if somebody would see somebody doing something like that, do you ever – I mean, that's where I don't want them to get a warning ticket. Mm-hmm. I want them to get a ticket. That is so dangerous. I don't care how slow I was going. Right. I don't care. I wasn't breaking the law even if I was only going 20 miles an hour when the speed limit was 30. Right. To pass me – and what really irritated me was I had a child in the car with me. You know, I could have – Anything could have happened. Why 
how much of the problems that you guys see, especially with traffic wrecks and all this other stuff, is just infractions like that. So it's just stupidity, just people being in too big of a hurry to say, where are you going? Yeah, it, it comes down to bad decision making. I mean, you know, Quincy is only so big, and it's only going to take you so long to get from point A to point B. And to be quite honest with you, you could drive as fast as you want. At some point, you're going to hit a traffic light. And you're going to lose all the time that you thought you were making up when you were driving 45 miles an hour in a 30-mile-per-hour zone. So, you know, really, number one, I mean, it's not illegal to pass people, don't, don't get me wrong, but you got to do it on the left. I mean, that's the standard way we do it. You start passing people on the right, those shoulders aren't made for vehicle traffic. You never know what's going to be over there. And these are how people get hurt. I mean, you, you start to see your major crashes because people either aren't paying attention, they get in a hurry, the reaction time is not conducive to the speed that they're going, and generally, I would like to think that hopefully somebody that is willing to do that has got something else going on that their mind's probably focused on, and they're probably not focused on driving. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but that kind of stuff happens. And, you know, like you said, it, it rarely ever happens right in front of a police officer. It does occasionally, and usually if, if it does, then, you know, that's a, a great reason for an officer to give somebody a ticket. And uh, I, I sometimes enjoy watching those, you know, uh, karma videos on YouTube when, you know, they have people that do stuff like that, and then there just happens to be a cop right there, and they pull them over. But, um, yeah, it, it can be very frustrating, and it's also very dangerous. And, you know, just, just calm down, slow down. Get where you're going safe and make sure that you don't you know, injure anybody else on the way. Because a lot of what you deal with is stuff like that. People getting in a, in a car accident. People, you know, it's not that somebody, um, you know, breaks into their car. They just leave their car unlocked. Right. So much of what predation is, is, you know, uh, some of it's just our own fault. I mean, you, you know, you, nobody has the right to get in your car and take things out of it, whether mm -hmm. it's locked or not. Right. But you can help yourself a lot. And, uh, yeah, I just, I've just been amazed in the last two months somebody has passed me on the right twice. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess I am getting kind of gray-haired and old, but come on, people, give me a break. It's so dangerous. I could turn in front of them. I, anything could exactly. happen. I could swerve a little bit over, not even out of my lane, because, like you said, they really don't have enough room to mm -hmm. pass on the right. So they're hoping that I'm going to stay in the middle of my lane. They don't know what – I mean, if you're already mad at me because I'm a terrible driver, why would you risk yeah. going around me on the right? What are some other things real quick before we have to let you go? Because your time is so valuable, and I so appreciate you coming. Is there – oh, I want to say thank you for your men and women coming to Blessed Sacrament School, and I know they go to a lot of schools. Yeah, we had a good uh, we time. We had Red, White, and Blue Day, and you were there yeah, it was having Catholic lunch school with the weekend. kids, and it was so much fun. Yeah, we do that uh, We do that every year, and I always look forward to that because I actually went to Blessed Sacrament or St. Mary's at the time when I uh, was in, in Catholic school up through sixth grade. So I always get a kick out of going back and sitting in the old cafeteria and, and having a good time, and we enjoy chatting with the kids. You know, we give each other a hard time. It's 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 just a lot of fun. Well, it's wonderful because they can say, hey, I started here and I could be the police mm -hmm. chief someday. Exactly. I think that's right. And you have so many good female officers now that come out and make a presence. There were firefighters there, ambulance workers. These kids really look up to you guys as heroes. They have their little cards. They're so excited. Yeah, they all colored yeah. little little things for us to take back to the department. So, yeah, we always yeah, look forward it, to it. It is, it is really wonderful. Um, one more thing for the good of the cause. Anything coming up that we need to know about? So we're going to start doing some beat meetings here uh, this year. Uh, what it will be is, and we'll post them on our Facebook page and get the word out, but uh, basically we have six beats here in the city of Quincy, so we're going to kind of quadrant the city off into four quarters. 
and and just go out there, have the beat officers, the officers that are assigned to those districts, um, be available for about an hour to sit down with the residents. And just like at a park or somewhere where they are. Well, I, I, yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. But um, you know, the first one I think is going to be in March. It's going to be out at the sub post at the Quincy Mall. Okay, great. Um, yeah. So you know, but basically, just so people can come out, get to know their beat officers, let us know what issues they're having, and this is just a way to get the community involved with the police department a little bit more, so we have a better understanding of what's going on. So good opportunity to have some conversations about what's going on in your neighborhood. Thank you so very much for your time today, Chief Adam Yates.